welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. Hey, welcome back, everyone. And uh, again, it's so great to have you with us, especially if you're new with us. We are going to turn now and look together at God's Word because we believe that through his word that God wants to speak to us, that he wants to encourage us, and that he wants to equip us and, and form us. And so we're going to turn to look at his word together now. Now, although I'm here leading the service, I'm actually on vacation and study leave until the end of July. And so I've invited a friend, uh, a, a dear friend, to, to bring the message today, Gary Jones. If you don't know Gary, he is the lead pastor of Vintage Church LA, one of our close sister churches and they're just doing an amazing work in LA and uh, Gary's just been a friend for many years and he's also the regional leader of our family of churches and he's just an amazing pastor and leader and friend so we're just so blessed to have him here with us and I know you'll be blessed but with that said let me pass it over now to Gare. Well hi there Vine Church it's Gare here from Vintage great delight to be with you again and what an honor and a privilege that we can share together this time as we study God's Word together. So as we gather around God's Word, why don't we begin with prayer? So Father, we thank you as we look at your Word now. Feed us, change us, challenge us, encourage us, and our greatest prayer to grow us into Christ-likeness and enjoying His presence. So wherever we are now, Lord, we dedicate this time to feasting on you and allowing your Holy Spirit to work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to talk about how to stop worrying about what others think. How to stop worrying about what others think. How to be fully you. How to stop living a pretend life. How to stop living for the sake of the approval for others. How to actually live into who God has called you to be. We're starting a new series this week, looking at the Old Testament characters of David and Saul and Lot and these other famous people in the Old Testament, men and women, not looking at them as heroes that we emulate, but actually just um, people just like us, broken and weak, and how God comes to them and to us to grow us, to change us, to transform us, to free us, to heal us. And this morning we're going to look at David as a young boy before he becomes king and we see how God changes his life that he lives into fully who he is that he doesn't worry about what other people think of him I don't know about you but we can all be enslaved by other people's opinions that we're looking for their approval we're looking for their affirmation but real transformation and real purpose in your life is tapping into who God made you to be you are irreplaceable you are unique. And we begin our discipleship journey when we embrace who God has called us to be and find the confidence and the courage in him to live out our uniqueness. God brings us freedom to be ourselves, to be who he created us to be. It's time to be fully you and not to live enslaved to the opinions of others. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Samuel 
1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're picking up this famous story of David and Goliath. And we're picking up the story, if you remember it well, it's a story where the Philistines and the Israelites are about to go to battle. But one of the Philistine army, a man called Goliath, who described as nine foot tall with amazing weaponry and armor, comes and challenges the Israelites. And says, if anyone comes and defeats me, then you win the battle. Everyone is petrified in the Israelite army of facing this man called Goliath. But David comes and he hears this for the first time and hears this challenge from Goliath. And we pick up the story in verse 26. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They all repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. But when Eliad, David's older brother, heard David speaking or heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at David and said, why have you come here? And with whom did you leave those sheep in the wilderness? You know, I think you're conceited and you're a wicked heart and you've come down just to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same issue. And the men answered him as before. Now what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its, from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. David said, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on the sword over the tunic and tried walking around, but he wasn't used to it. I can't go in these, he said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So he took them off and then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached Goliath. Meanwhile, Goliath, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animal. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. David found himself in a battle, not just a battle with Goliath, but a battle to be his true self, despite what everyone else was saying about him. You see, David, like you and me, is unique. He was created to be himself. He was created to be irreplaceable. He was created with a specific purpose. He was created with a unique DNA and gift set and experiences that God was going to use in this season of his redemptive story in history in great ways. You and I are the same. We've been born with a specific purpose in mind, with a unique gift set in mind for that purpose. You are irreplaceable in God's kingdom. But we all live a battle to live into that and not try and be someone else. We all live a battle to be our true selves and not our pretend selves. There's a diagram here on the screen, very basic, which shows actually the reality of all of us as we face life together. There's a real self, but around that we can often ignore that real self and live into a pretend self. And the battle that David was facing in this chapter, the battle that we face in our walk with the Lord is, are we going to live into our real self, our true self, where we'll find peace and joy and well-being and purpose and significance because who God made us to be? Or are we going to serve the tyranny of other people's opinion and live in an, into a pretend self, something we're not? David faced powerful forces not to be his true self, but to live into a pretend self. He faced pressures from his family who thought he was worthless, kind of overlooked him. In the previous chapter, 1 Samuel 16, when the prophet Samuel came to anoint one of David's family, one of his siblings or, uh, or him, a king, his father brought all of the sons out to meet the prophet, but ignored David, left him in the field. I mean, imagine the sense of worthlessness, of rejection that even your dad wouldn't bother bringing you in to see the prophet. He was now simply the errand boy of the family, the lunch boy of the family. And I love that verse in 29, which shows that David obviously had a long battle with his brothers for worth, for value, for significance. Because when he starts to talk to his brothers, they tell him off. And David just says in verse 29, now what have I done? Can't I even speak? I mean, that's what we've all said, right? When we're growing up and it's just like, really? Now what have I done? There's this ongoing narrative in his family of you're worthless, David. You've got nothing to offer. And we can internalize these words and think our true self is worthless. And therefore we have to live into some kind of pretend self to be something, to find value because we ourselves don't have much to offer. He also faced pressures from popular opinion. Not just pressures of his family thinking he was worthless, but pressures from popular opinion. He arrived at the battlefront and everyone else is afraid. The majority consensus is there's nothing we can do. And he's going around saying, I think we can do something. I think actually we can win this battle. 
But everyone else looked down at him and said, what do you know? And it's so easy, isn't it? When we think of the popular opinion or groupthink or something like that, we start to go, oh my word, maybe I maybe I don't have anything to say. Maybe my opinions don't matter. Maybe actually I don't have anything valid to say. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this, and we end up doing something that actually we don't believe in because we think, well, I must be wrong because I'm the minority. There's also pressures from authority that David, when he was faced with Saul, the king, was squarely told by David in verse 33, you are not able to go against this Philistine. He was told face to face, you can't do it. How often have we allowed ourselves to have people speak into our lives that we respect their authority and they crush us with their wrong view of who we are and they put limits and they put false limits on our lives. And then of course there's the pressure from David's enemy, Goliath, who mocked him, looked at him and just said, who are you? I can't wait to feed you to the birds. We face enemies who can mock us, can malign us. Not only physical enemies, but we have a spiritual enemy whose professional career is to lie, is to diminish who God has made you to be. See, all of these pressures can overwhelm us and actually become a narrative in our lives that we aren't of value, that we aren't significant, that we don't have something to offer, that actually compared to others, that we're pretty useless or we're pretty inferior. We start to say, well, I'm not enough. I I need to actually not be my true self, but do something else, live into this pretend self so that others like me. That I project something out there that actually finds value and significance because who I am in of myself is not enough. I found this checklist recently for how are you doing in living into your authentic true self that God has made you to be versus living a pretend self. Maybe on this slide, one of these will resonate with you. Many of them did for me. Number one, I compare myself a lot to other people. I often say yes when I actually prefer to say no. I often don't speak up to avoid the disapproval of others. People close to me would describe me as defensive and easily offended. I have a hard time laughing at my shortcomings and failures. I avoid looking weak or foolish in social situations. I'm not always the person I appear to be. I struggle with taking risks because I could fail or look foolish. My sense of worth well-being comes from what I have, my possessions, what I do, my accomplishments or performance, or what others think of me, popularity. I often like a different person. I often act like a different person when in different situations and with different people. These are all helpful indicators or checklists for me, questions to go, am I secretly living a pretend life? desperately seeking the approval of others? Or am I able to differentiate myself and live fully for who God has made me to be? If we lose this battle, it has disastrous consequences on our lives and those around us. This is not just 
small little things. I remember realizing once, oh my word, I'm denying myself to please others. I went out for lunch with someone and it was I hadn't met them before and I wanted to make a good impression. I remember they ordered a salad and I don't like salads, but they ordered a salad and I thought, hmm, I'll order a salad. <laughs> and then they ordered a side of sweet potato fries and they went, oh, these are amazing sweet potato fries. Uh, you should get some. And I thought to myself, I don't like salads. I don't like sweet potato fries even more. But you know what? Yeah, I'll try some of those sweet potato fries. And I ended up this meal I didn't like. And I thought, how old am I? I've given in fully to wanting to please this other person. And I'm braving a really bad salad and some sweet potato fries. And it was just a little, oh my word, why am I doing this? What? Why am I trying to please this person and sacrificing who I am? That's trivial, right? But magnify that into bigger decisions in your life and you can end up marrying unwisely. Because you're marrying what you think would be the right person. You can actually avoid God's call on your life because you think value and significance is doing this for God when God actually called you to do this. You can choose an unwise career because you are looking for what would be esteemed in the eyes of others. I remember when I was in high school, looking at what major to do at college, and I desperately loved economics and business and finance, but the school I was in at the time didn't esteem those. And I remember a professor who was in his gown, who was in one of those schools, in his gown, he looked at me and said, Gare, um, don't waste your life on those things. You're, you're worth more than that. You're worth more than doing a business degree. You need to do something like classics or history or law. And I remember thinking, oh my word, you're right. I need to impress. I need to get your approval. And so I went off and went off to law school and God took a while to unwind me from that because I was living for the approval of others. And it can lead to going into debt because you buy things to find your value and people's approval. Anxiety, workaholism, addictions, all these things can destroy your life because you're living for the approval of others and you're not living free to be who God has called you to be, no matter what others think. So how does David win this battle? Not the battle with Goliath, but the other battle, the battle to be himself. In face of all the mockery and the opposition and the patronizing opinions of others, how does David be himself? When his brothers mocked him, he kept talking. When Saul didn't believe in him, he had the confidence that this is who God had made him to be. When they tried to put armor onto him and try to change how he led his own life, he said, no, that's not me. And he said, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to do it my way. There were two th keys here that God did in David's life that he wants to do in your life and my life for you to be free to be who God made you to be. The first thing is David knew God. And then David knew himself, that God revealed himself to David. And then God revealed David to David. Firstly, God, David knew God. God had revealed himself to David. In verse 26, David says this, he says, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this guy that he should defy the armies of the living God. 
See, David had a big view of God, bigger than the nine-foot-tall Goliath. David lived his life and he viewed his identity through the lens of a big, majestic, almighty God. Who not only had revealed himself, but actually had been present with David on the hills as he shepherded the sheep. That David had history with this God. He had a relationship with this God. And this God defined his life, not the opinions of others. In verse 37, David said, look, the Lord has rescued me from the lion and the bear. And he's certainly going to rescue me from this Philistine. We have a glimpse into the reality and the worldview that David lived in. That his identity and his worth and his significance was shaped by his knowledge and experience of God. That here was a God who so loved him that he was present with him in the isolation of the dark nights of shepherding sheep. That here was a God who so valued him that he helped him overcome the battles of the lion and the bear. Here was a God who was greater than the cosmos and yet was with him and loved him, created him, valued him. See, David's history told him that no matter what anyone else thought about him, I know my God and I know what my God feels about me. He loves me just the way I am. He created me this way. And I'm not going to let my identity be shaped by other people because God is the foundation of my worth and my value. See, we all need external validation. Culture sometimes says, don't care what anyone else thinks, just look within and value yourself. But that never works. We, need we were designed to have validation for people to approve who we are. The problem is, is when we look to people rather than God for that approval. Tim Keller puts it this way in his book, Making Sense of God. He says, we can't say to ourselves, I don't care that literally everyone else in the world thinks I'm a monster. I just love myself and that's all that matters. He says, that won't work. That would not convince us of our worth unless we're mentally unsound. We need someone from outside to say we're of great worth. Only if we are approved and loved by someone whom we esteem can we achieve any self-esteem. We were created for that sense of someone saying, well done. The key to freedom is finding that external approval, not in other people, not in your peers, not in your boss, not in your family, not in your culture, but to find that in your creator your Father, your Heavenly Father. The one who created you, the one who delights over you, the one who sings over you, the one who celebrates you. This is the one who provides the esteem and the worth and the significance in your life that frees you up to be yourself no matter what anyone else says. Pete Scazzaro says, the more deeply you are connected to God and his love, the less you need the approval of people and can live out your God-given, unique life. Jesus modeled this foundation of God's approval, not the approval of others. Do you remember, lots of people looked at Jesus and said, oh, you don't measure up. You're only, who are you from Nazareth? You know, I knew you when you were growing up. What is this? And 
They doubted him and teased him and overlooked him. He was just a lowly carpenter from the wrong end of town. But Jesus was secure in who he was because he was secure in his father's love of him. I love that beginning of Jesus's ministry. The words that his father gave him that would become the melodic line of his ministry was this, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We can be ourselves and live into the uniqueness that God has for each one of us when we live into the approval, the value, and the significance that God has already given to us. Do you know God, how David knew him? And have you come to place your identity and worth in him and him alone? David also knew himself. He, he knew God, but he knew himself. God had revealed himself to David, but God had revealed David to David. God had revealed this is who you are, and this is who you are not. Pete Cazaro sends against this, unlike David, the vast majority of us go to our graves without really ever knowing who we are. We unconsciously live someone else's life, or at least someone else's expectations for us. David had all of these other people say, this is who you are. This is what you're not. But despite all of this, David was able to say to his brothers, say to Saul, this is who I am and I'm not that. He was able to differentiate himself from other people's opinions of him, other people trying to define him. And he was able to differentiate that and go, this is who I am. I know who I am and it's not who you say. In verse 32, David said to Saul, he said, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. David was confident in who he was, and he knew he could defeat this guy. His brother said you couldn't. Saul said you couldn't. His family of origin, the lies of the past, that said, you probably can't do this. Don't embarrass the family. What are you doing? And yet David was able to differentiate who he was from what other people thought he was and say, no, this is who I am. He was even able to say, look, I can't even do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. I know you think I'm crazy, but I know who I am and I'm not this. When Saul tried to put his armor on David, David was able to say, I know you're well-intentioned, mate, but this is not me. I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I know you want me to do this. I know everyone else thinks this is risky, but I know me. This is not me. Give me some stones. Give me a sling. This is who I am. I may not match your expectations of what a warrior should be, but this is who I am. And God's called me to be me. You see, David had spent many hours in the fields alone with God and the sheep. And during that time, God had revealed David to David. This is who you are. David says, right, look, I've God has already done so much of my life on the fields. I know who I am. He said in verse 34, look, I've been keeping my father's sheep. And when a lion or bear has come and carried off the flock, I've gone after them. I've got the sheep back. And it was in 
the trials and the testings and the sufferings of life that David had discovered who he was. God had revealed David to David. And David had the courage to embrace who he was and to embrace who he wasn't. David had learned the gift not only of understanding his gifts, but the gift of understanding his limits and saying, actually, I shouldn't do it that way because that's not me. I'm not good at that. I can't, I can't carry that helmet. I can't carry that sword. I'm not good at that. But this is who I am. God wants to reveal you to you. That you celebrate as he does who he's made you to be. To reveal these are the gifts he's given you. This is the personality he's blessed you with. And also to give you the blessing of limits. This is not who you are. Don't go on that wild goose chase down that road because that's not who I've made you to be. David was able in the face of all of these different voices to say, this is who I am and this is who I'm not. It's interesting that he learnt those great identity of who he is. He learnt those things in times of suffering. You see, he was often overlooked as the young boy, right? And shoved out to the fields when everyone else was feasting. And he was shoved out to the fields with the sheep. He was overlooked, rejected. And he could have just looked at those seasons as, God, where are you? Are you even overlooking me? Here I am on the alone. What is my life going to be? And yet it was in those moments that God used the silence, the solitude, and the suffering to refine him, to define him and to grow him in who he was called to be. So often it's in times of suffering that God pulls us back from our pretend self, our false self, and starts to free us to be our true selves. In this time of lockdown right now and the suffering that we're all going through, I find that many are saying God is using this to strip away the false self and to be still with him and allow his Holy Spirit to reveal you to you, to give you the gift of limits and to give you the assurance and the confidence that this is who God's made you to be. Edith Eager in her book wrote this on suffering. She says, suffering is inevitable and universal, but how we respond to suffering differs. You can live in the prison of your past or let the past be the springboard that helps you reach the life you want now. We can choose to be our own jailer or choose to be free. In suffering, we cooperate with God. He's there to grow us, to free us. And when we turn away from bitterness and turn away from self-pity and say, God, I'm going to enter into your story of what you're doing now, he sets us free to be fully who he's called us to be. So in conclusion, I want to challenge you and encourage you to take these moments and maybe look at the week ahead to do as David did, to sit in silence, to bathe yourself in God's knowledge of you, to allow this time of suffering maybe to draw you deeper into his presence and allow God to reveal to yourself, this is who you are, this is who I created you to be. To 
go back to him and say, God, I honor who you made me to be. I'm going to stop chasing the approval of others. I'm going to stop pretending to be someone else. And I'm going to enter into who you've made me to be and pursue what you've called me to do. Why don't we pray? So, Father, we thank you for the unique way you've made each and every one of us. We say sorry, we repent for ways we've dishonoured that and tried to be something we're not. To try and find our worth and significance in other people's approval, to put on a show, to pretend. But Lord, free us from that tyranny. Father, I pray that by your spirit, you would free us to be ourselves. Just now, just pour your love and affection by your Holy Spirit into each and every heart. That we don't need to pretend. We can be who we are and we are dearly loved by you. With a unique, irreplaceable identity and purpose ahead. And so, Father, we give our lives to you. to seek the approval of only you. And you've already declared that approval over each and every one of our lives, that we are beloved, we are chosen, we are wonderfully made. And now, Father, by our spirit, day by day, free us from the curse of the pretend self and let us live into who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name.